Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. I am not... <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, yes, yay, Jesus. Thank <laughs> you. Well, uh, obviously, I am not your lead pastor here at Seeds Church. JD and Jamie are away this weekend, and so I felt really honored um, that he asked me to speak to you today. Um, so I want to personally welcome you to Seeds Church. If this is your first time or if you just don't know, first of all, I'm sorry that this is how we're meeting. Uh, I would love to hug your neck afterward. But secondly, uh, my name is Logan Cole. I'm 22 years old, and uh, it's one of the greatest honors and privileges of my life to lead this congregation of people in worship each week. So, ah, so you need to know a couple of things about me before I get started because um, most likely today three things will happen. I will probably weep um, at, some, at some point today during the message. And I want to clarify beforehand that I don't weep because of any pain that I've experienced in my life, but I weep because Jesus, the healer, met me there. And so ever since then, I've been changed. Second thing you need to know is that I am intensely passionate. So once I shake off the dust of, like, I'm preaching, <laughs> I promise I'm going to be like, <gasps> you know, I'm going to be all fiery and all the things. Um, and then third thing is, is I love the way that God speaks. Um, I love the voice of God. And so today I'll probably make reference to many prophetic encounters with the Lord that I've had um, and just share those things with you today because it's just who I am and I'm not going to try to be someone that I'm not with you this morning. Amen. So, all right, well, I'm going to pray and then I guess we're going to jump right in, okay? So, Father, we thank you so much. God, I thank you so much that you are here with us, that your spirit is alive, active, moving, breathing. God, I thank you that you're working all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And this morning, Jesus, I ask that you would put your words in my mouth. God, I'm not here to say anything that I have to say. These people don't need to hear me talk to them. They need to hear you talk to them. And so this morning, God, I just thank you. For you being here and leading me and guiding me, and I ask that everyone in here would have hands open to receive exactly what you need for them to hear this morning, God. Not what I need them to hear, but what you need for them to hear. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I want to open today by reading one of my favorite scriptures. It's from Matthew 26. It's really one of my favorite stories um, in the New Testament. I know that there's a bunch of them, but to give you a background, Jesus is hanging out with the disciples. And they're about to eat a meal, and then this happens. It says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume. She poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this, and they said, Why this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, he said to them, Why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. For when she, performed, or she, when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be spoken of in memory of her. What I love about this, I mean, obviously the simple picture of devotion to Jesus, of this woman, 
um, coming to him and just bringing what she had. But I also love Jesus' response, how he says, you always have the poor, but you don't always have me. You always have your neighbor who needs ministry this morning, but you don't always have me. Sometimes you got to take a moment and just minister to the Lord. And so I want to talk to you this morning about worshiping, obviously. That's why I'm here. But um, specifically, I called this, this message, um, Turning Your Pain into the Sacrifice of Worship, because I want to talk about this alabaster vial with you this morning and what it was, what the contents of it were. And uh, the first thing I think of after I'm like, what a beautiful picture of simple devotion to the Lord is I wonder what that oil smelled like. Because if I'm about to pour something on Jesus, it better be smelling like Thanksgiving dinner or something good. It's not, it, it can't be like, you know, foot. You can't pour foot oil on the Lord, okay? So she could have brought Jesus anything. She could have baked him a casserole. She could have knit him a nice, cool denim jacket. But instead, she brought... <laughs> She brought this costly vial of perfume. Let's look at this word costly in the Greek. It's the word baritimos, and it means weighty, heavy, very precious, or of great value. So immediately that tells me the perfume smelled like the heavy things. The perfume smelled like the weighty things. The perfume smelled like the traumatic experiences and the pain of the past. The perfume smelled like what she had to bring in the moment. And I love the Gospel of John. It actually paints this story in a, from a completely different angle. And it says that Mary actually came into the room and broke her bottle open on the feet of Jesus. And then took her, took her hair and wiped his feet with her hair clean. But what's interesting about you know, your, your hair being, your head being down, you have to be on the ground. But the scripture actually never says that Mary knelt didn't say that she got on the floor, so it's almost as if she was already at her lowest of lows when she came in there. She was like, Jesus, this is just what I have, and I'm just in foot's distance. I'm just in distance with your foot. I'm down here. I'm just going to break this open for you. This is all I have today. And something that Jesus says, he actually says, <laughs> he says, you know what? What she just did prepared my body for burial. So this weighty, this heavy thing that Mary brought prepared Jesus for his burial. Thus, Jesus painted the prophetic picture of what he was about to do for us on the cross. That all of my pain, all of my brokenness, I would pour right on top of his head. He would be pressed by the weight of everything, every experience that I ever had in my whole entire life. And he would take it to his grave with him. It was preparing him for his burial. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is you offering, me offering our pain, our heavy things, our weighty things as a sacrifice of praise and worship. How many of you have ever experienced pain in your life? If you don't have your hand raised, I'm going to ask, how many of you have ever lied? <laughs> um, I love being able to look out today and seeing my beautiful family um, from Knoxville. Can we just give my family a hand? Um, and my beautiful girlfriend, Mary Elizabeth, her family is here as well from Georgia. Um, thank you, Mom and Dad. I would not be. This is, this is the emotion. I would, <laughs> I would not be the man I am today if it weren't for my parents. So. 
Moving on. <laughs> so I felt like it was pertinent and important today that I share with you part of my story to understand where I'm coming from when I talk to you about offering up your pain. So I just want to give a bit of background. I grew up, um, my dad married my mom when I was two years old, so I have a separate um, biological father, and we grew up in a weird little town called Lutchville for the first couple of years of our lives, right about 45 minutes outside the city of Knoxville. We moved closer into the city of Knoxville as we got older, um, but for a long period of time, we were very poor, and when I say that, I don't mean we were just poor. We were spam poor, like <laughs> spam and biscuits <laughs> weekly, okay? So I still have a radar for MSG, like 15 feet away, nope, you know? <laughs> So, we, we were poor, but we had what we needed. We had each other, and we had Jesus, and that was enough. My parents feared the Lord my entire life. Um, do we have someone running the live stream today? Is it okay if we take a pause for just a moment? Guys, don't worry. I'm going to be with you in just a second, but um, just hang tight, okay? Just about a minute and a half. Just give me a thumbs up, and we're good. And that relationship, praise God, has been almost completely restored. So, um, amen. yes, amen. So, I was just telling everyone in-house that I had a question in my heart. Am I good? Um, am I worthy of being chosen? When is everyone going to find out what someone else knew about me? And it was the reason why they didn't choose me. So, when I was 20 years old in November of 2017, um, my grandmother passed away. And I remember uh, my grandma was really close to me, and, and she was really dear to my heart. And I remember the day that I found out that she died, um, I just laid in bed. And I laid in bed for three days, and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, it's okay to grieve. I'm grieving with you. And I was like, okay, I'm going to sit here. I'm just going to pat. I'm going to weep, and I'm going to get all this out of my system because I've got to move on, Jesus. I've got to live my life. And um, so I laid in bed for three days. And I had an encounter with the Lord on my third day of laying in bed where I saw Jesus come and sit on my bed. And he was like, it's going to be okay. I said, okay, that's not comforting right now. <laughs> what do you mean it's going to be okay? And I saw him grab this bottle from behind his back. And he was like, look at this. This is every tear you've ever cried. And I was like, Okay, he said, I've got this. You just got to keep going. I've got this. I'll take care of this. You just got to keep going. I feel the weight of this. I'm carrying the bottle. You just got to keep going. So in that season, it opened up a door for me to experience healing in those areas in which I just explained to you guys a minute ago that I had dealt with in my entire life. And about the same time, um, many of you know that I love this song, but a song called Reckless Love surfaced in the world, and um, I was watching the Bethel live stream the first time it was ever sang and ever led, and I was just sitting there, and Stephanie Gretzinger goes, before I spoke a word, you were singing over me, and I was like, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Why? Because in the very first line of that song, the Holy Spirit addressed what I'd always dealt with, that I felt like I was not worthy of being chosen from my first breath, but he said, I chose you, and before you were even born, I was singing that song. 
I was singing that same song. Hallelujah. It's never changed. And then I love, I know it's controversial, and I'm sorry if you don't like the song, but <laughs> I'm sorry, but I want to say to you, what if your uncomfortability is only an invitation? That's where I'll leave that. Um, so the chorus says, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And that word reckless applied so deeply to me because I thought that in order to be chosen, this guy, this Lord, Jesus, he had to be reckless. In order for him to choose someone who was unworthy of being chosen, and I believe my whole life that I was not worthy for the time of day to be given to me, I knew he had to be reckless. And so it made sense in my mind. I don't believe that God is going around, you know, <laughs> being crazy. That's not what I'm saying. Um, so here I am today, 22 years later, and from the day I was born, and I have, <laughs> for clarification's sake, um, <laughs> so here I am today, and I can tell you that I'm pretty much completely healed. I mean, I still have days that I am like, inner healing is not a microwave, Jesus. I don't press a button, and it just happens. I got to offer this up to you every day. I got to offer up this to you every day. If I feel it come on to me, I just say, you know what? That pain does not belong to me anymore. Amen. It doesn't. So in the midst of all of this, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me four steps, four practical steps of how to offer up my pain as a sacrifice to him. And so I wanted to walk you through those four practical steps this morning and just share with you what I feel like he's given me. Um, because I believe that testimony is the spirit of prophecy. And if I have walked out of my pain, I believe that you can walk out of your pain today. Even if it's stuff that you've carried with you for 35 years. Even if it's stuff you've carried with you since the day you were born, just like me. I believe that the Holy Spirit, his power is so much greater than your weakness. And so this morning, I just want to give you these four practical steps. If you walk home with nothing else this morning, I just want you to have these four steps. So write them down or something. And um, try to apply them to your life. And we're going to practice this at the end today. But the first step to turning my pain into worship is acknowledging that my pain exists. Ooh, Lord. Right? <laughs> so let's read from Psalm 69. I love this scripture. It says, but I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. And this will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hooves. When the humble see it, they will be glad. And you who seek God, let your hearts revive. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. Let's dissect this a little bit. So at the very beginning from the get-go, he says, but I am afflicted and in pain. He's acknowledging his pain right off the bat, Okay. He says, save me, God. Let your salvation set me on high. And then he says, I will praise. That word for praise is the word halal. <laughs> I did not say hala. I said halal. JD told me to say that. So <laughs> if you don't think it's funny, take it home. Um, so <clears throat> I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I will magnify him with thanksgiving. So the word halal there is the Hebrew word for praise, and it means to rave, to boast, to shine the name of God with the song. And then it says, I will offer up, I will magnify him with thanksgiving. And that's, that word is da. It means an offering of praise or an offering of thanksgiving to him. So he's saying, I'm in pain, save me, 
But in the middle of all this, you better bet I'm going to be singing your praise, Jesus. You better bet. And he says, this will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hooves. And this is where we all say, David, why are there always barnyard animals in your psalms? Now, it's a, there's a point. There's a point. When does an ox or a bull have horns and hooves? When it's ready to plow. When it's ready to work. So what we're being told here is that an offering of our pain, coming to him in the midst of our pain and worshiping, is much more pleasing to him than anything that we could work for, anything we could work to bring him, anything I could muster up. I just need to come as I am. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. You mean God doesn't hold me in contempt if I'm a prisoner to my own pain? Wait, what? You mean God's okay with me not being okay? Yeah, of course he is. Am I saying God rejoices in our suffering? No. But he understands that we will have pain in this life, and it's just part of it. He doesn't hold you in contempt if you come here every morning thinking about that thing that happened to you when you were seven years old. He does not hold you in contempt. Brush that off. Psalm 56, 8, it says, You have kept count of my tossings. Another word for tossings is sorrows. You put my tears in your bottle, are they not in your book? So not only does God understand that we will have pain in this life, but also he's kept count of every occurrence, of every moment that you've ever walked through anything that brought hurt and pain into your life. Jesus was like, writing it down. That's what he did. And um, when God approached me, when Jesus approached me on my bed that day, and show me that bottle of tears, I realized that there was this religious, um, indoctrinated belief that I had. That instead of holding this tears, holding my tears, the bottle of tears that I had, Jesus was standing over me, yelling at me, quoting scripture to get up and just be okay. But that's not true. <laughs> when the truth is, he's just been holding that bottle of tears and saying, I'll carry this, you just worry about going. You just do it. Do what you can. That's one thing I love about the Lord is that he's okay with me sitting in my pain. He's just not okay with me staying there. At the end of Psalm 69 that I read earlier, David actually, his vision completely shifts. It shifts off of this pain, this anguish, this agony that he's been going through. And it randomly goes into four verses that are like, The Lord is the Lord of the heavens and the earth, mighty and high above all things, earth and heaven, all praise his name. So that tells me that he went from pain, shifting his focus on, on his pain, to his purpose. He went from pain to worship. And that's the thing about Jesus is he's just not okay with us sitting in the pain. Or he's okay with us sitting, but he's just not okay with us staying there. He's always going to pull us out and put us back into purpose. That's what he does. And in my life, you know, I, I <laughs> Jim, I love you. Um, in my life, I've spent many, of, many years of my life loving the Lord because of 
how I watched him show up in other people's lives. I'm like, Lord, you're so good. You're so great. And then all of a sudden, this, this encounter happened with the Lord where he came to me with this bottle. And I realized he was like, you won't know my goodness. You won't see it for yourself until you've acknowledged your pain. Because I had to know what he was taking from me. I had to know what he was exchanging. So everyone, put your hand out like this. This is acknowledging my pain exists. I'm going to give you hand motions so you remember. (laughs) So this is acknowledging my pain exists. The second step of turning pain into worship is accepting my weakness, and that's going to look like this. Just grabbing onto it. Accepting my weakness. So first, I acknowledge my pain exists. Second, I accept my weakness. And unfortunately, this is not something that many people are able to do. This is why things get pushed down and resurfaced 35 years later. Um, because we're not okay with accepting our weakness. There's some sort of a need to be strong before men, strong before people, strong before the Lord, even. <laughs> that we just, ooh, I don't think I can deal with that right now. But then it comes out. It always comes out. <laughs> But I want to read something to you, and that's 2 Corinthians um, 12, 9. Oh, I love this scripture. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Okay, we should read that again. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So I need to tell you something this morning. Your weaknesses do not disqualify you. Rather, they are a list of qualifications for the power of God to be on display in your life. That's the truth. That's scripture. I'm going to say it again because it's good. Your weaknesses do not disqualify you, but rather they are a list of qualifications for the power of God to be on display in your life. If you need freedom this morning, if you need joy, if you need peace, if you need patience, Lord knows we need some self-control in this culture. If you need kindness, gentleness, goodness, all of those things have already been made available to you by the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. Right? So all you need to do today is admit, my flesh is weak, but your spirit is strong. That's it. That's all you got to do. Uh. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so the third step, so I had to acknowledge my pain exists. Do it with me. I had to accept my weakness. The third step was I had to understand that God is a safe place, and that's just going to be a nod of your head. So let's talk about this for a minute. Let's read the scriptures from Matthew 26. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which were James and John, and began to be grieved and distressed. So let's sidebar for just a second. Some of your pain is not public knowledge, nor should it be. Take a Peter, a James, and a John, and a Jesus, and go talk about it. But it's not for social media. It's not for open discussion. Sometimes it's for just a few, okay? That's a sidebar. I'm not even charging you for that one. Um, and then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. 
Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them, and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Thank you, Jesus. It's my personal belief that when he talked about this cup, looking at the Greek word for cup, it actually means personal experiences. So he was saying, Jesus, let these personal experiences pass from me. I don't actually believe that he was talking about the cross. That's my personal belief. I believe he was talking about the weight that he was experiencing in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because the cross was not a last resort. Scripture says that the lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth. So Adam and Eve didn't fall. And then all of a sudden it was, Jesus had to say, you know what, I'll go. I'll go. That statement was made way before the earth was created. So this cup, I believe that it was the suffering, the pain, the agony, the weight of what he was experiencing in that moment. Let's look at where this takes place. Um, it, it happens, this whole event, this whole scripture happens in the Garden of Gethsemane, which if you don't know, the Garden of Gethsemane is at the base of the Mount of Olives. And there are several olive groves in the mountain where people would go and press olives to get the oil out. So the word Gethsemane actually means an oil press. So let's look at this. This is Luke 22. This is picking up exactly after Jesus made this statement, but it's from a completely different gospel perspective. So it says, Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. I love the way Jesus is taken care of by the Father. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently. Fervently, he was praying with violent emotion. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Okay. So, I'm just taken aback by the immensely beautiful picture of what Jesus was going through for us. I just can't help but... Um, it just it brings me to reverence and honor every time I think about it. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, which we now know is an oil press, Jesus was being pressed, was being weighed down by the weight of my pain, my abandonment, my brokenness, by the weight of sexual abuse, by the weight of drug addiction, by the weight of waiting on your prodigal to come home. By any weight that you've been experiencing, Jesus was being pressed down so much so that the blood came straight out of his skin, thus painting the prophetic picture of what Jesus was about to do on the cross for us, that by wearing our pain and being pressed by our pain, his blood would become the remedy for it. Amen. Right? Yeah. So, amen. That's why, <laughs> Ooh, glory, that's why step number three is understanding that God is a safe place because Jesus knows your pain. He already carried it. He was pressed by your pain. It's actually really interesting. This sweating, blood, is actually a real medical diagnosis. It's called hematidrosis. And it's where the blood vessels in your skin, I think it's capillaries, the blood vessels and capillaries swell so much so they explode in your face. And sweat com or blood comes out of your pores as sweat because of intense physical and emotional stress. So not only here I'm here by medical diagnosis, I'm seeing that not only Jesus was, was feeling the weight of my emotional stress, but any physical pain I've also bore. 
Isaiah 53 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. That word for peace is shalom in the Hebrew, it means completeness. And with his wounds, we are healed. And with his wounds, we are healed. That word for our sorrows in the first sentence up there is the word makab in Greek or in Hebrew. Sorry, excuse me. And um, it means pain in the body and pain in the soul. So here we're told that before Jesus even took on the cross, before we esteemed him stricken, before a cat of nine tails ever touched his skin, he was feeling the weight of my physical pain and my emotional wounding throughout my entire life. It wasn't just these nails are going in my hands, although that was excruciating, that was what had to be done as the sacrifice. That was not the full weight of what he was experiencing. He already carried your pain. <laughs> so we have to understand that he's a safe place because he knows it. Like the back of his hand. Actually, like right here. Um, I also want to just make mention of how cool this is because I'm a little bit of a nerd. Olives... I went to school for nutrition, to give you a background on my life. Uh, so olives actually are really good for fat. Like they're a healthy fat that they bring healing for pain and inflammation. Okay? So it's interesting that this all takes place in an olive grove where olives are normally pressed. And that paints the metaphorical picture that Jesus was the olive that was pressed for us. And also, if you think about this, olives is what they would press to anoint kings and queens. And if Jesus' blood was our olive oil, that's what anoints us as kings and queens. Amen. Thank you. So the fourth step to turning my pain into a sacrifice of worship is releasing and receiving. So the first step was acknowledging my pain exists, accepting my weakness, doing nod with me, understanding that God is a safe place, and then I release and I keep my hands open to receive. So let's read this. I love this scripture. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees, oaks of righteousness, planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And we know because of Luke 4, 21, that Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah 61, right? He says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing after he opens the scroll and reads it in the synagogue. So Jesus did not just fulfill, even though he only read verse 1 and 2, he fulfilled all of the Old Testament. So we also know he came to comfort all who mourn. 
He came to console those who mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, an oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. So today, if you offer your pain up as a sacrifice to the Lord, I promise you there's an exchange waiting at the end of your submission. I promise you, that's just how he is. <laughs> that's the goodness of our God. I promise you that he will not give you stone when you ask for a bread. If I said that right. <laughs> I promise you that it's not in his nature to leave us empty-handed. <laughs> I want to remember and put a focus on this today because um, a lot of times... When we talk about, you know, inner healing and things like this, I don't want you to think that it's a microwave, like I said earlier. I don't want you to put it on 30 seconds and think I can spend 30 seconds in worship offering my pain, and it's just going to go away, although that could happen. God does miraculous things all the time, still does miracles today. However, sometimes it's going to take another time. Sometimes it's going to take another time. And after that, another time. And after that, another time. And what you do is you just keep going until you're empty-handed completely so that he can give you all that you need in that moment. That's my flesh is weak, Lord, but your spirit is strong. I found that through my season of inner healing that I experienced last year and a little bit of this year, that musical worship is a great place for me to release my pain as a sacrifice. Um, that song today, Defender, I love that song because it is so much better his way. It's, it's just truth. <laughs> and I've seen, I always think when worship begins on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, I always think to myself, Lord, I don't want to wait for the second chord of this song to break my alabaster jar open. I don't want to wait for the third song. I don't want to waste my time standing here trying to put together, get rid of everything that's happened this week and just focus when the truth is you want what happened this week. You're like, lay it down right here. You don't need to put it in the back of your mind. The back of your mind is not the home for your pain and your experiences. <laughs> So I break my alabaster jar open every moment that worship begins. I try to, and I'm like, Jesus, I never want to enter your presence unless I bring you something that costs me every time. I just don't have time to waste. I don't want to stand here and just listen to songs. I have to bring him something every time. Every time. The sooner I can release my pain, the sooner I can magnify the Lord, and that's the truth. And how do you magnify the Lord? That's making him bigger in your heart and your mind. Because how can I make God bigger? It's right here and right here. That's where that takes place. So the sooner I can let go of yesterday, the sooner I can step into the fullness of, Holy Ghost, you're amazing. Father, you're amazing. Jesus, you're amazing. And you're so much bigger than anything that I ever walked through in my whole entire life. And guess what? I can look at you and you're holding that stuff from afar. All that stuff has just been like carried by you for my entire life because when you release your pain, he holds on to it and he takes it with him to the grave. And once I magnify the Lord, that's when I can begin to remember 
in fullness, in my full being, the worth and the holiness and the goodness of God. So before I open my mouth on Sundays or Wednesdays, the Holy Spirit usually gives me this picture. And it's that I'm approaching Jesus at the end of my life. And um, I see him. (laughs) I see him and he has all these boxes all around him. These packed up boxes. And the closer I get to him, the more I realize that I recognize all these boxes. One of them is labeled rejection. One of them is labeled the death of my grandmother. One of them is labeled abandonment. One of them is labeled, am I good? One of them is labeled, am I enough? And I get there, and I'm at Jesus, and um, I realize that all these boxes used to belong to me, but now they belong to him. And I give Jesus the biggest hug, and I thank him for taking these things for me. And he says, thank you for giving them to me. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and this picture be reversed. I don't want to get to the end of my life and approach Jesus carrying all these boxes. I want to be quick to release and quick to be open for the Lord to move in my life. Quick to say, I am weak and you are strong. Please show up for me in this moment, Lord. Because the truth is, all along he's been saying, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. So this morning, we're going to sing this song called Here's My Heart. If you guys could all stand with me. And I want to take a moment. We're not being introspective in this place. I want you to understand that. We are asking God for his perspective. We are being theospective. We're asking him for his perspective. So this morning, please, I want you to hold out your hands, everyone, like a cup almost. And I want you to visualize, if you're ready to go there, a painful experience, whichever one the Holy Spirit brings to your mind is the one that you need to go to, even if it seems difficult or hard. And I want you to visualize that painful experience as an item. It could be anything. For me, it was like a glob one time that I did this. It could be anything. And just visualize that item real quick. We're going to take about just a second to think about that. Just let the Holy Spirit show you something in your hands. Now, once you know what that pain is, it could be a lie that you've been believing for years. It could be something, um, sexual abuse or the pain from having an abortion or the pain of a son or a daughter leaving home, the pain of a prodigal being gone, whatever it is, whatever's weighing you down. I want us to practice as we go into this song, just releasing that to the Lord, just saying, Lord, I give this to you. But also after we release it, I want us to ask him, Jesus, what do you have for me in return? What is the truth that you want to speak to me in return? So let's go ahead and start doing this. I'm just going to pray over you guys real quick, and then Mary Elizabeth's going to lead us in this song. Holy Spirit, I just visualize right now, God, I thank you, Lord, for this weight that you have taken from me, for this thing that I've been carrying far too long, I thank you, God, that you understand and you know my pains. 
And I thank you, God, that you are more than ready to take them from me today. God, I just forgive those who have come against me and hurt me, who caused this pain. And I also forgive myself for allowing myself to do this and shame myself for my whole life. God, I release this pain. I release this pain to you. Even if it was something little this week, God, I release this pain to you right now in the name of Jesus. Because there is nothing better than living fully surrendered. There is nothing better than living fully surrendered. There is nothing better than living fully surrendered. This is where we find our joy in this moment, Jesus. This is where we find our, our peace, our life. Thank you, God, for the exchange that you're making in this room this morning. So just go ahead and begin offering that to him, whatever that looks like. It may take a second, but just begin offering it to him and ask him, Jesus, what do you have in return for me? We're going to sing this song. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.